Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from my palatial studio apartment is Melissa Patterson. Hey. Oops, sorry. No, no. Hey, you are here and engaged, and I love it. I'm on, I'm on, I'm ready to talk. You are a lion, and (laughs) the claws have come out, and I do not have a chair or a whip to protect myself, so we will talk about video games instead. Yes. (laughs) As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective, for more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Now, Melissa, uh, would you like to take a poll from that Lizard King before or after I say what I'm going to say? Uh, I'll do it during. Okay. Melissa, what are you playing? Oh, Bill, I'm so glad you asked. Oh, um, good. So uh, I recently just finished um, the, uh, the indie game Firewatch. I don't Ooh. know if you've heard of that one. That has been a popular game among guests on this podcast. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm very happy to hear more about, like, yeah, what were your feelings about the game? Um, I I liked it. I liked, uh, it's, it's it had a cool storyline. Um, I, when I played it, though, it was pretty glitchy. I played it on the PS4. Uh-huh. Um, and I, and I, I think it's been out for a while, like, um... Yeah, it came out, like, early last year, I think. Yeah, so I was really concerned, um, that it was still glitch. I was, I wondered what previous iterations of it were like, um, but yeah, I had a lot of, I had a lot of trouble following the storyline because of some of the glitches, so that was super annoying. Oh. But otherwise, I mean, if you can get an unbugged game version, I don't know if anyone else has complained about that, but, um... This, yeah, storyline was great. The the graphics were beautiful, and um, it's it's the story of uh, uh, it's actually really sad. A guy um, goes into uh, a Firewatch tower in Colorado in the nineties or eighties. It was like not this era, but it was um, quite a, quite a quite a time ago. Um, but yeah. Uh, this guy's in the Firewatch Tower. You don't really find out why until kind of later on in the story, so I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's only... its uh, So it's based off these Firewatchers in Colorado that would just... They're park service rangers, essentially, and um, they would just keep an eye on the park in these basically lookout towers for fires during dry season. So, now, oh, I sorry. I, I believe this is made in part by some of the people who made Gone Home. Oh, I, I did not know that. Um, but it does actually have a lot of similar elements in that you're kind of piecing together the story as you explore the world, um, and it's uh, yeah, it's actually really similar to Gone Home, but in a bigger <laughs> in a bigger environment. You're in the national forest instead of. Your house, uh, whatever, what's her face's house? You're in Mother Earth's home. You're That's in Mother you Earth's are. home, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, super fun. I, I was so bummed that it was glitchy. That's too bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, you hear about that sometimes with games that have just come out where they need to be patched. So to hear about a game that's been out for this long to still have technical issues like that—that's pretty disheartening. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if they just ran out of money or caring or maybe it's it was a one-time glitch from a from an update they had just pushed so who knows Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, so Firewatch, uh, anything besides that? Um, oh, well, gosh, I did talk to you before the recording about <laughs> Hive. Yeah. Is, is that something I could talk about here? That's in play. Let's talk okay. about Hive. Okay. I So there's this board game. It's a French board game. Um, so fun. So is it like Hive or just, is it Hive? Um, I don't know. I, I pronounce it Hive. It's probably I don't know hive. how the French pronounce <laughs> Hive. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's like chess almost in that you have, um, different pieces. Uh, they're, they're almost like dominoes, but they're hexagon shaped with a bug on top of them. And each bug represents, uh, a, a way that it, it can move around the board. So if you have like a beetle... You can actually jump on top of players and walk around on top of the other pieces. If you have like a gra- a grasshopper, you can hop over players. If you have an ant, you can encircle other players. It's really cool. Uh, but the goal is um, each player has a queen bee, which is similar to a king in chess. So you want to um, encircle the queen, your opponent's queen bee, with. Uh, your tiles or a combination of your and their tiles. It's, it's, yeah, it's like chess without a board. It's super fun. Um, you just connect your tiles. You don't have to play every, every player all at once. You add them slowly. There's a lot of strategy. It's actually really incredibly fun. And it's a, sorry, you probably said this, it's a one-on-one game. It is, it's, well, I didn't. It's a two, yeah, two-player game, so one-on, you could play it in teams, but... (laughs) That's not how it's intended. <laughs> no, that's not in the spirit of the game. I understand. Yeah. yeah. And they even... Um, so I have the basic pack, um, but I got it at Dice Dojo. Oh, uh, nice. A friend of you in Chicago. I would definitely recommend going to that place, talking to the guys. They're really helpful. But uh, they pointed me in the direction of Hive. And um, you can buy expansion packs for it, too. So you can get other bugs that move in special ways. Which oh oh wow okay that's yeah, kind of cool it is really cool um it's very fun one hundred percent fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were talking about this a little bit too sometimes it can be daunting to uh, bring new people into a board game oh yeah like it, the first game is the learning game and that's kind of you have a snowball's chance in that game but hopefully you can pick up Hive pretty quickly it sounds like yeah there's it's, yeah. it's, it sounds like because of the flavor of the insects, like that makes it a little easier to understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And there's, it's definitely not as involved as like chess is strategy-wise. I think it's a lot easier to pick up. Maybe that's why I enjoy it so much. But um, yeah, there's not too many pieces. Um, and it is fun. It's, it's, I've been having trouble with teaching my friends how to play and being nice to them because <laughs> I just want to destroy it because it's so fun. There's a lot of strategy. It's nuts. Like, I've never taught anyone how to play, like, Magic the Gathering or anything like that, but I, that would be a, a problem for me is, like, yeah, appropriately giving, like, good reinforcement and, like, letting people make their own mistakes or, like, not, you know, like stomping them down too fast i know you want to you want to turn up the heat because you want to have a good game but you have to realize if you're if you totally crush someone the first five times they play a game with you they're not going to want to play with you because i i don't like losing in one-on-one games me neither yeah yeah not not a fan (laughs) that's why they're so fun (laughs) yeah 
All right, well, awesome then. Uh, Wait, Bill, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Um, have you been playing any, or what have you been playing? Well, that's a leading question. I've been playing nothing. So dang. I uh, know I've I've been playing. Uh, actually, the last time you were on, I believe we talked about Phoenix Wright: Spirit of Justice. Oh yeah. Now at the time, I was kind of unenthused with the game. I felt like it was too uh, reminiscent of an earlier game in the series, with like adding mystical elements and stuff like that. I do remember that, but um, it only took you six months to change your mind, or was it longer yeah, than that? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been several months. Uh, <laughs> I did finish it up. It took like 40 hours to finish the regular story, and there was a DLC episode you could play, and I, I went through all that. And yeah, uh, at first I was a little down on the game compared to earlier Phoenix Wright entries. Uh, if you're not familiar Phoenix Wright, you're, you're an attorney, and you there are two parts to the game. One is you go around this environment like point-and-click adventure games and you pick up evidence. And the other part is logic puzzles. Someone will go up to the stand and you have to figure out the contradiction, the logical issue with the testimony they're making. And the back half of the story, I thought, actually was pretty compelling. Uh, with It ties into earlier games and it kind of closes out some story arcs for other characters in the series. Uh, so Phoenix Wright, he has this kind of apprentice slash younger member of his office, mm-hmm. Apollo Justice, naturally. Oh my god, what a name. That, that's Apollo like... Justice. Okay. <laughs> they all have great names. Like, yeah, you're right. The lead character's name is Phoenix. Right, right. Yeah, like all the characters are Greek mythology related, uh, justice related, or like courtroom related that's all you need yeah i mean that's what all the best lawyers names are i yeah i just can't believe you're playing a game that's you're i don't know you're so enthused about a game that's a courtroom drama (laughs) well i mean yeah it's like got all these like soap opera twists and turns because it turns out that apollo justice his adopted his adoptive brother is the evil prosecutor that you have to defeat but he's your his his brother isn't evil, he's harboring a secret, and what? That, and he's being blackmailed. But why is he being blackmailed? What has the evil government and Karayin got on him to keep him doing bad stuff? What? What do we know? We do. I don't. Well, I I do. Uh, okay, so you should probably not listen for the next like three minutes or so if you were thinking about playing this game. So it turns out. Apollo is an adopted brother of this other guy, and his name's Nayuta. Nayuta's mother was thought killed 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but she's actually been secretly living as a servant in the royal family for this whole time. She had They had to disguise the fact that she's still alive. And the queen who is in charge is totally evil and totally framed this other guy, Nayuta's father, as a murderer... And forced his mother to go into being a servant to try and protect her. Protect her in quotes. Oh my god. And oh. you know, <laughs> It gets deeper. It does. It does. There's That doesn't even do like a, the full justice to the story. Because like one of the twists is that Nayuta's father, this guy named Dirk, who is also, keep in mind, Apollo's adoptive father, is already dead. He's actually already dead midway through the story. What? There's a in this world it's accepted that you could do spirit channeling to bring dead spirits back to the realm of the living. 
So one of the characters <laughs> in the story was channeling Dirk, and that's why he was still there and around. Okay, I'm pretty sure I saw this exact plot line on Pretty Little Liars Season 2. Okay, well, you know, not every game can be original, and, like, <laughs> inspiration comes in all forms, and there's, like, that... What's that thing where different comedians come up with the same joke at the same time, out, but in two different spots? It's called joke-stealing, not No, not that one. <laughs> I don't know what that's called. There, there is a thing for that, though, where it's, like, these people, like, it was such a... Not an obvious joke, but it was a joke that multiple people could come to that. Right. No, I that is yeah. that I'm sorry, that was an exaggeration. Pretty Little no, Liars no, yeah. has never had any spirit realm um Well I didn't reveals. know that, Melissa. Everyone that you think is dead is alive is the story of Pretty Little Liars. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know how we got into Pretty Little Liars. This is not the podcast for that. The bottom line is though, yeah, that Apollo Justice, like, there are quite a few crazy twists and turns and I, I feel like they actually kinda of stick the landing. Like there's so much crazy stuff going on. But they kind of wrap it all up into, like, a satisfying ending. And not only that, like, they leave some dangling threads to go into new adventures without feeling, without making you feel unsatisfied, like, there's some awkward cliffhanger here. Oh, that's cool. Because at the end, Apollo stays in this other country, Kurain. He's going to be the first new defense lawyer there in 20 years. He's going to try and fix the legal system that's been corrupt for so long. Oh, wow. So it's like, yeah, now you can, like... He's kind of like his story arc, one story arc finished, but he's ready to start a new one. Hell yeah. So at the end, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by that. That sounds really awesome. It, it, there are other games I've played that try and, yeah, go for some craziness like that, and they don't manage it. So yeah, it was cool they did that here. Yeah, I always, I do hate when people leave you dangling on the end, uh, on the end of a game, on the end of a television show. It's, television is bad about it, but games are bad when you... Especially the episodic games. I guess that makes sense because they're episodes. But even still, I just want to. I just want closure. I played for seven hours. Give me something. I, I just finished another game called Zero Escape: Virtue's Last Reward. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, of course. Na- naturally, you know that one. <laughs> sure. And I'm not gonna go too deeply into it here because I want to save it for another episode to talk about. But the bottom line is, yeah, they don't manage to tie everything up as smoothly in that one dang so i'm so sorry i'm so sorry about that it's okay i i'm okay with it i'll manage maybe you can't see this guys but he a tear is welling up inside of bill's right eye there's just some very nice acoustic wafting in from the window that you can't hear and it's reminding me (laughs) of a sad moment in my life completely unrelated to how this game's ending totally made me want to cry. He's full-on crying now. <laughs> I am not. You're a strong guy, Bill. Don't worry. It Th- happens to all of us. Thank you. There are too many assumptions about gender roles oh, and yeah. what are accepted emotions, so I'm glad we can allow for strong guys to cry over video game endings that aren't satisfying. It's. I would. I would not judge you, but I will tell people about it. <laughs> Yes, you probably should. Tell people to listen to this podcast so they can hear me cry. I That's what I normally... That's normally how I promote it. Okay, good. Good. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one other thing I'll mention with Phoenix Wright is that there, there was a DLC episode, and that was pretty cool. It was fan service in the sense that... Not like that there's a bunch of like ladies in bikinis or whatever. Dang. I know, right? <laughs> I'm not downloading that then. <laughs> 
but just like that it, it brings back a lot of the older characters from the series and like puts them back in the spotlight oh that's nice yeah, so like it wouldn't make sense in the regular story for that to happen, but they're just like, ah, oh, all these characters just kind of randomly show up. Like cameos. This is important. Exactly, it's important yeah. old faves. It's like uh, how in the Star Trek films, Worf would always be there, even though like he's a captain of his own ship and serves at Deep Space Nine, so it would make no sense for him to be there. But he's... he just shows up because he's Worf. People like him. People like Worf. People like Worf. To this day, you can go on Reddit and find him pitching his Worf solo series that's never going to get made. I'm sorry, Michael Dorn. It's just not going to happen. But Oh my gosh. I did not know there was a Reddit Reddit uh, Worf club. Well, he comes on like periodically and does AMAs because he's trying to like drum up interest in this Worf series. And I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I, like, he's, dude's got to be like in his 60s now. Worf doesn't... Worf don't age. <laughs> I get, Worf ages. He probably does. <laughs> He's gonna have to for this series. Some other Michael Dorn trivia is like way back in the day they had him on South. Well, they had Worf Michael Dorn show up on South Park, but they just voiced him themselves, like Trey Parker and Matt Stone. They just did a voice for him, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, I totally would have done that if they asked." Like, oh, <laughs> that's funny. It is, yeah. Huh. Also. Worf is, Worf is such a nerd. <laughs> he he, he kind of is, but that's okay. I, I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah, Star Trek is cool. Let's show Worf some love. They're bringing it back on, like, the CBS app or whatever. Oh, really? Yeah, there's going to be a new Star Trek series, but it's, like, oh, premiering not... on some random app for CBS. Gotta love the future. Woo! <laughs> I bet that's going to be good. It's going to be just as good as the sixth season of Community was. Ooh, I did not watch that. Well, naturally you wouldn't, because it was on Yahoo. It was on Yahoo? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that, that was like going to be like the flagship of their new television platform on Yahoo, was Community and some other shows. And So the fact that I didn't hear about it probably doesn't bode well. Not for Yahoo, no. <laughs> okay, well, maybe yeah. next time, kids. Maybe next time. We have gotten wildly off topic. That is my well, fault. We talked about Worf, and now we're on Yahoo News. Right, yeah. I just, I was on a roll. I was excited to talk about that. But those are the games <laughs> we've been playing. Lizzie, you've been playing Firewatch and Hive. I've been playing. <laughs> yeah. I've been playing Phoenix Wright, Spirit of Justice. Uh, so then at this point, let's move on to the Choose Your Fighter section of the episode. So this Melissa and I face off with one article, news events, or upcoming game that we were both interested in until only one of us is outstanding. So for this, uh, you went first for the games being played, so because I'm the host, I'm going to choose to go first. Oh. Yes, that's right. I'm going to choose to go first for the Choose Your Fighter segment. I'm going to talk about Hearthstone. Oh. So coming up pretty soon, within the next month or so, there are going to be some big changes to how Hearthstone operates. You know, this is this digital card game. There are tons of cards out there now. They've got all these different expansions and stuff. And it, it's a little bit tricky to make the game balanced and fun for experienced players and new players alike. That makes sense. As part of, like, uh, one of the things they do is they have this set called the Classic Set. And it's supposed to be a, a group of cards that never go away. Like, it's, you know, 150 cards that will always be legal 
for the the standard format, which uses only the newest cards normally, except okay. for the classic set. Older stuff will otherwise rotate out. Classic will stay. Okay. I can follow that logic. But the thing is, because the cards always stay, it can lead things to be a little homogenous. Because if those cards are good, then you always have to print new cards that deal with those old cards or like that won't be too good with the old cards that are still there. You mean the classic deck? Yeah, the classic okay. deck. Uh, like... If there is a card, just gonna throw some numbers out there. If there's a card that's like four mana, deal six damage, like maybe it's a bad thing for there to be too many cards that deal a bunch of damage just without doing anything else. Mm. So then when you're building your new set, you're designing it, you can't always like put in a bunch of other cards that say like deal five damage, deal seven damage. It's too much the same stuff, or it might make a, a direct damage deck too consistent. Ah, I see what you're saying. So they've they tried to deal with that one way in the past, and that was by nerfing cards. Uh, you're familiar with the term nerfing? I'm... No, I don't. Oh, okay. No, cool. Only in the, only in the sense of the foam dart guns. Well, that, that's appropriate then, because the <coughs> idea of nerfing, it's like a thing you might see in MMOs, too, is that you make a card or an ability less powerful to allow it to still exist in like a reduced form. Okay. So what they tried to do is they took some... For, before... Like last year, they took some of the staples of the metagame that people would put in all their decks from the classic set, and they reduced the power level of them. Ooh. The problem is they went way too far in reducing the power level. Oh, so there are so many unhappy people, I bet. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, like they made the cards too bad. Like they, they nerfed like something like eight cards, and some of them now are like the worst cards in the game. And out of them, only one, this card called Knife Juggler, still sees pretty decent play. It's still a pretty decent card. Okay. Ooh. That, well, like, Knife Juggler, that's a cool card. It's a pretty cool card. It's, it's fun to play with. Like, the issue was, it was just, like, you could put it, it was a cheap creature, and there are a lot, you could put it in any of the cheap creature decks you wanted to play, regardless of the class of hero you had. So oh. it was just showing up everywhere. I see. Yeah. So now... Sorry, Knife Juggler. <laughs> uh, so, but now, they're trying a different strategy. They're adding cards to what they call the Hall of Fame. And in this case, now, the cards will be still in the classic set, unchanged. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you can't put them in a standard deck anymore. With, with standard being, like, only the newest cards can be used in standard decks. Okay. Wow. There, there's another format called Wild where every card is legal. And you can still use them in wild decks. You just can't use them in the standard decks. Well, that's not fun. <laughs> it's not, but they're finding, I think, a way of trying to make it better for the player. Okay. So, okay, now... So, like, a so like a new person... Like, this relates back to our Heave talk. <laughs> right. Like, when you first start, you don't want to get demolished. Yeah, exactly. Time. Yeah, and so, like, but you can get these cards if you're new, and it's like, well, if I have this Azure Drake, then I'll be able to put this in all my decks forever going forward, so at least I got that going for me. Right. But, yeah, now it's, the Azure Drake is being added to the Hall of Fame, so you can't count on that. Oh. But what they're doing to try and make that better for the players, if you have these cards, you get a full dust refund on them. Now, dust is like the currency that you use to make cards in the game. You spend dust to make a new card, or you can break a card down 
destroy it and get dust for it. Usually you only get, if you destroy a card, you only get like 25% of the the value of the... Of the original card? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. So if it costs 400 dust to make a card, you can destroy it for 100 dust. Well, that's not great. But for cards being added to the Hall of Fame, you get a full refund. So if it's a 400 dust card to make here, they'll just give you 400 dust. You don't even have to destroy the card. You can keep it. Because you want to have that in your Hall of Fame. Right, exactly. And use it for that wild format where all your cards are legal. Well, that seems like a pretty balanced way to handle that. I don't, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I think it's a lot better than the, the way they did it before, where they just made the cards totally bad. Yeah. Because, yeah, you get to keep the cards, but you can't play them anymore. They suck now. Yeah, that that is really... That's crummy. It takes your best hand and then diminishes it. <laughs> Right, yeah. And, like, some of the cards they nerfed, like, were completely unfair, and if you just kept them around, they'd continue to be unfair forever. Mm. But some of them were, like, just sort of, they were solid. They were solid cards, and they made them so you could never even experiment with trying to make them fun or, like, put them in a fun deck and goof around. That sucks. So this seems like a much more moderate way of handling it now. Yeah, and at least you get the, the dust refund if you're really cheesed exactly yeah you get it yeah if you own the cards when this rotation happens you get that dust refund automatically that's nice yeah so if, yeah it feels like they're trying to take care of the player and the old players and take care of new players hypothetically well way to go yeah yeah i think this is a solid move i think that they're they don't always get everything perfect but they are definitely interested in retaining players and making everyone feel good about the way their cards are preserved. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like they're doing other stuff too where they are, there's a, so there's the constructed format where you build your decks ahead of time and there's the arena format where you get set, they send you a set of random cards and you build a deck using that and then you battle mm-hmm. other people with their random decks against your random decks. Oh, Wow. So they're, they're changing up, like, the ratios of cards that show up in Arita because sometimes some cards show up too much. Other cards don't show up enough, and they're trying to fix that a little bit because some of the cards are really, really good, and if they show up too much, it can be obnoxious. Okay. Do you play this game a lot? I play this game a lot. Does yeah. it come across? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was hoping that you did. Otherwise, what do you play a lot? You seem to know a lot about it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I... I like, they're, they're thinking pretty hard about how to make this an approachable game for a lot of people, and I like these moves that they're making. Yeah, it sounds it sounds good to me. Awesome. But I'm, I'm just a simple country girl. Hey, Hearthstone is free to play, and you are a computer engineer, so I, I have a reasonable amount of confidence that if you, if you were so interested, you would kick my butt pretty quickly oh. once you got up to speed. Well, I'd have to give it a whirl, especially... If I could hack in. <laughs> I Could you? I, Can you? I will. Oh, I don't know. You, you don't, no, no, that's okay. They, you just have to say, don't listen to this NSA. Okay, so tell me <laughs> no more about... No one's listening to this. That's, that's mean. <laughs> that was really mean. But seriously. NSA, let's be cool about it. Okay. Now, that was kind of lighthearted and fun, um... So I assume you have a lighthearted and fun topic 
for uh, the Choose Your Fighter You know, segment. I don't. Um, oh. But this one is good. It's super relevant, um, especially right now. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this news story, but um, very, very famous gaming blogger, PewDiePie, probably the top YouTube presence yeah. ever. <laughs> um, he... <clears throat> the Wall Street Journal put out <laughs> this story on uh, PewDiePie, and it was uh, it was it, they claimed that he was anti-Semitic, and they had a lot of evidence to back up this claim because uh, I don't know if you've uh, if you guys have ever seen his uh, his his show or if you're subscribers, but he's done a number of very racist or very anti-Semitic things in his videos which he claims are jokes and he that's his style of humor is just to kind of uh i guess shock value humor where you say something terrible and um you expect a reaction out of it but um i guess what makes this story so interesting not only did the wall street journal publish the story but disney um had a contract with him to produce a I think a television show or something similar. It was some kind of Disney. They were partnered with like his media, his like media network. I oh, guess okay. I, I'm not sure exactly the nature of the partnership. To be honest. Okay. Yeah. So Disney dropped him as a partner um, pretty shortly after the article came out, and then um, a- after that, YouTube uh, canceled his second season of um, prank or. Scare- PewDiePie gets scared. Scare- yeah, like PewDiePie. scare PewDiePie, something like that. Um, that was for like the YouTube Red Network, I believe. Right. Yeah, and he's no longer from uh, like a promoted content um, type on YouTube, which is a pretty big deal. Um, and I, I kind of want to talk about that. And I, I watched PewDiePie's reaction response to the uh, the Wall Street Journal article and. Um, it was pretty. It was a. It was a huge rant. Um, he sounded pretty, really defensive. I would say. I don't know if you watched it. To be honest, I, I haven't watched it. Okay, no so, worries. Well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to offer opinions, but I, I, I haven't, I haven't seen the video. Okay, I've read about the video. It's I long. haven't seen. I've seen the. Apo- I haven't seen the apology. I've read about the apology. Oh, I have not seen the video either. Uh, but I guess the the huge video in question is there was uh, there's a website or there was a, a web service where you can get these guys to fiverr fiverr yeah or you could get these guys to make a sign and yeah you, you, you could hire people to do odd jobs basically yeah um and so he got uh these two men to hold up a, a sign that said death to jews or something i think it was yeah, death, death to, to all jews death to all jews um which I've seen horrible. the screenshot of that. That I have. Seen. I think they. Yeah, I think he took it down pretty shortly after it was released. But I have. No, he kept it up. That oh, was... he kept it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did not know that. Uh, yeah. So that's super anti-Semitic. Um, I mean, that's part of the weirdness of this, though, because he put the video out, and I'm pretty sure I remember like seeing an article about it at the time. But there wasn't a huge firestorm over it. Only now, like a month or so after the fact, has it become really a big deal now. Now that it got picked up by the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, it's it's blowing up 
all over. Um, I was reading. Uh, I was reading about it on Kotaku. I don't know if you know that site. So, yeah, no, I, okay. I know Kotaku. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just learned about it, so <laughs> I was like pretty, uh, pretty interested. But um, yeah, it's all over Kotaku. Just even like other YouTubers' responses to PewDiePie being. Um, anti-semitic i don't want to speak for him to say that he's racist but i can certainly say that um he's projected a very racist uh set of brand of humor and i i don't i can't imagine how he he doesn't feel like uh that it's not obvious to everyone watching these like his content um yeah his uh Reaction video uh, to the to the Wall Street Journal article was bizarre. Um, he starts out by kind of addressing how he, uh, um, no one ever talks about how he's a self-made businessman and how much money he gives to charities. Um, and then he kind of defends his jokes, his anti-Semitic jokes, and then he ends it by saying I'm still making videos, um, F you, Wall Street Journal, which is nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. yeah, it, it's not a simple solution, and it involves, uh, I think for a lot of us, I'm not, I don't feel quite bad about saying I don't watch PewDiePie, or I, I, I think if you're listening to this, you probably don't. You're probably, like, my age or someone I know, and we're all, like, you know, in our 20s or 30s. Probably yes. none of us watch PewDiePie. Because he is aimed at 10-year-olds. Like, that is a legit thing. He is an adult making content for young people, like, making these big overreactions and stuff like that. And That's fair. I actually have never seen a PewDiePie episode, except for uh, when South Park made fun of him. <laughs> Second time South Park's come up. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I feel like with... The we could talk about one thing here pretty concretely because I think we both have all this humor training, comedy training. Oh yes. And there are two problems that seem pretty apparent with this joke, and I'm using joke in quotations here. First he off, did. he used quote fingers <laughs> for the record. Thank you, thank you. First off, no matter what you think of the actual content of the message, we'll put a pin in that for the moment. The idea of exploiting workers using this website to try and make a little extra money, these people in India, I believe, that's punching down. And you do not punch down when you're trying to do comedy. You are not, like, I believe part of the joke that he was trying to make here is that this service is kind of crazy and these people will say or do anything for money. I don't know that that's a good joke that you want to tell. Yeah. I don't think there's that much humor to be found in that. That's very. That's a very good point. Like, I, these people, I believe at, it has been since reinstated, but they were pulled from being able to uh, use fire, the two men in the video. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, and they claim they had no knowledge of what the sign actually said. They did not know the English words. Oh, man. And I, I do have some empathy for their story. I, I do sort of believe that that's what happened. And, yeah, we, we that's one of the things you learn when you go through these comedy classes is that when you're trying to make humor you can make humor of yourself and expose like your views and how they're absurd or silly or you can punch up and target like corporations politics mm. stuff like that where 
these are, you know, people with a lot of influence and stuff, and they, you know, they have an opportunity to make their own views and messages heard, and with comedy, you can kind of take the air out of them a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good way of phrasing that. And then the, the second thing about this is that this was argued to be satire, that the death to all Jews thing was, yeah, that you were not, you were supposed to understand that he was lampooning other stuff that might get done on the service or other people who might give like shocking messages and stuff in the, on the internet. And I don't know that that qualifies as satire. It just seems really crass yeah. and obnoxious that it does not fulfill the definitions of satire to me. Yeah, satire has a very loose definition, I feel, but I think there's a line to be drawn with... I, it's, I, it wasn't even funny, I guess, is the problem. And let's take for a moment, again, let's put a pin in this because I... That's true. Uh, let's say that it was the most masterful satire ever and it just sailed over our heads. We just aren't smart enough to get it. If we don't get it, do you think a 10-year-old is going to get the satire behind what makes a death to all Jews message funny? That is his main audience, children. Children who are still growing, who do not have... Full, I mean, I don't want to make them sound like complete idiots, but they're still learning about how the world works and how yeah. people can say or do things and not fully mean the words behind them. So when you put that up there and you show that to the children, I mean, if I sound like I'm pearl clutching here, I apologize. It's just like, these are kids and they don't have the full capacity to understand right and wrong and what these words mean. If you could even influence one kid to be going out there and be going like, that's all Jews! Like, could you sleep with yourself at night if you thought that? If you did that to some kid and indoctrinated him in, in, in that way. Uh, only if you're PewDiePie, I guess. Like, he, it seems like he's definitely struggling. And he, he done effed up A.A. Ron. He and, really did. And he's, in the past, he has shown remorse for his behavior. And start kind of in video said like, you know, I realized some of the stuff I said before wasn't good. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf here. Because one of the big things he would shout is like, like, oh my god, rape, rape, rape! When, like, stuff would happen on screen. And uh, was, yeah. That's not good. Come on, man. Right. And he's come around and be like, okay, yeah, that was not good. That I shouldn't have done that. So there is a capacity, I think, in there for him to learn. But... It's tricky. We, I mean, we all, I think, harbor prejudices, big and small, that, you know, we're not... That, that's the thing I, I think that sometimes people <clears throat> on the right don't understand, is that we do actually all harbor these, like, a little bit. But what we try, what we try and do is we try and acknowledge them, and we try and understand why we think this, and how we can move on and overcome those feelings and accept people as they are pewdiepie does not seem like he's in a headspace where he's doing that he is not no uh 100 um no and it's such a good point that we're having this guy uh talk to children i mean that's i don't know i don't have anything further to say but <laughs> i just wanted to reiterate your own point that was really good well you know I, i'm i'm was a little iffy on just bringing it up because I didn't know if I could articulate how I felt. So I'm glad it mostly seems uh, cromulent here. 
Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that's sound. I mean, come on, man. Come on, PewDiePie. I, I never really liked you, but... <laughs> I mean, I don't really know him. I don't really know much about him until, yeah, yeah, until this came along. And it's not like these people who are reporting on this are out to get you. Or him. I shouldn't talk in the second person. Oh, that is what... Those are... I feel like that is a direct quote from his uh, YouTube tirade. Yeah. So they're out to get me. The media is out to get me. And I uh, (sighs) heard that before. Yeah. It's weird. You know, it it comes up every now and then. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like once in a blue moon (laughs) that the media is just reporting all the bad things that people do. But not all the good things that people do. Huh. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, I, like I said, I do, I do think he has maybe shown a capacity for remorse in the past, so maybe there's a chance that he can kind of step back, recollect himself, and figure this out. But, yeah, it's not looking good right now. Yeah. Well, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Uh, I mean, if you don't, hey, I guess you have your, like, 70 million YouTube subscribers to fall back on, so who's the real asshole here? <laughs> Us. <laughs> yeah. I'm an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew that. That's fair. That's fair. I appreciate that. See, that's punching up. Yeah, I, I am a you know, big wig social media influencer. Have you seen his palatial studio apartment? You haven't. And you never will. Oh. Actually, that's not true. You've already seen it in like, photos, I think. It's great. If you, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, was there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, I I think we've, we've hit a lot of good points on that. Okay, cool. I feel like I should go and watch those videos now. Uh, I don't know. Maybe save yourself 10 minutes and just know that PewDiePie doesn't defend himself well. Okay. I'll just take your word for it then. (laughs) It's, it's a long video and you probably don't want to give him the YouTube hit. No, I'd rather not if I could avoid it, to be honest. (laughs) So in that case, I think that brings another episode of So Many Bits to a close. Melissa, if you want people to find you either electronically or in person, where can they find you? Okay. Um, So right now, my main corner is um, Southport and Racine. Those two streets do not intersect. Southport (laughs) and Waveland. Um, And you can follow me on Twitter at hamster underscore mom. Okay. I'm back. Uh, Nice. All right. Good. You took a great picture, by the way, on a stoop. Like, where is that? Is that your main hangout in oh, person? Yeah, yeah, that's... Check it out, uh, Southport and Waveland. There's a, there's a great... Actually, um, Ander, Andersonville. Oh, okay. I, I, I stumbled upon a stoop that had a not-my-president homemade sign, and I snuck a pic. Nice, nice. So keep an eye out for that at hamster underscore mom's twitter profile you don't find a lot of stoops in chicago that's a very new york city thing i think oh yeah it's it was wonderful awesome it che- you know what i'd recommend checking out the lake the lake uh not lakeview lincoln park in andersonville neighborhoods okay for some good stoops <laughs> hot stoops right hot here stoops. north and south <laughs> uh, as for myself uh, i can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com you can like us on Facebook. We're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download on SoundCloud or Spreaker. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other quality podcasts, 
Support independent art. The spirit of Dell compels you. Now, this is where we can get into all our beefs with IO and Improv <laughs> and Second City and the Herald Commission. Oh, did you know that they are making a Dell, uh, Jeff Griggs book? What, what, it's called like My Year with Dell or something. They're making that into a movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. And it's set in Chicago, and I think Mike Myers, or Michael Myers, not the killer, the the guy actor? Who, the guy, yeah, the guy the who... The fictional character. so great with remembering people's names and names of publications. Um, yes, uh, it's Mike Myers. I yes, it's Mike Myers, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think he's playing Dell. Oh. oh, okay. I guess he's getting up there. Yeah, he can make it work. I never met Dell. Well, neither He died did I. in like 98, right? Yeah, I mean, me neither. Okay. I thought you might have. I, I was like 13. You want to have been like 12 or something? I think I was 13 too. I don't know. Um, I didn't know if you were into the scene early. <laughs> oh, I was way in. Like back in like 1995, I was on all the LSD just trying to figure stuff out. Man. So you are Dell. I thought he died. <laughs> Where do you think the spirit of Dell compels you from, Melissa? <laughs> Inside of you? Recording off. <laughs>